freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> Brock and Salt Show, Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com and the Seattle Sports application, plus all the podcast platforms out there. Welcome to a formal Friday. Hope everybody out there is having yourself a beautiful start to this morning. It is going to be gorgeous. We got a holiday weekend ahead of us. What could be better? Summer's come early here to Seattle. The Mariners with a four-game sweep. The Seahawks out practicing yesterday and... A lucky treat for me this morning. I get oh. to look at the beautiful, oh. handsome oh. face of Brock Heward this oh. morning, oh, good morning. Right off the bat at six o'clock. How are we, buddy? <laughs> good morning, you. Michael. Good morning, Michael Mora, Justin, Rob, watching over Mora's shoulder. Good morning to all of you, all you wonderful people. Shout out to the Mariners. First four-game sweep of the A's since I think I was in high school. 1991. Yeah, yeah, right there. Actually, I I was finishing Aylin Junior High. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? Now, was was it the first four-game sweep or the first four-game sweep here? I mean, like, you can start narrowing these things down so it gets longer and longer. But either way, anything that doesn't happen for 32 years, Mm -hmm. like, that's got to be somewhat of a rarity, right? Yeah, there's not a ton of four-game series. So, you know, every season you got probably – Maybe one or two against the A's. So. And for many of those years, the A's were really, really good. Real good. I mean, they're a they're a you know a legendary franchise, which is what makes this whole thing so so sad to watch. Why are they doing this, by the way? Do you have to do this? I don't know. I mean, I understand it in the NBA where you get extra ping pong balls, right? I I, I understand in the NFL where you can have a, a generational talent, maybe in the disparity between one and five, as we kind of felt this year, is pretty significant in baseball. In baseball? Yeah, it feels personal. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't feel logical. It feels personal. And it, you know, it's ridiculous to even bring up, but it feels like Major League. It does. There's just no other way to describe it. it. Except instead of coming together under Marcotze, the team just isn't talented. And so these poor guys just, you know, Major League doesn't work in real life. Uh -uh. (laughs) You know what I mean? No. It's it's very sad. It's really hard to watch. And I, I do feel bad for... You know, my girlfriend in uh, college was a huge A's fan. I mean, like, really, really big A's fan. She went, like, the year, I, our senior year, we went to Hawaii for spring break. She went to A's spring training. Mm. We were like, all right, we'll have fun with that. I mean, like, cool. With, right. with, her, with her scorebook. Yeah, have fun with Ben Grieve. Like, that sounds really fun, right? <laughs> Jason Giambi. <laughs> cool. But... Like, that's a proud fan base. Yes. They were a lot. I mean, and, and not just what they were during those years, but even before that, the, you know, Dave Stewart, Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco years and before. Like, it is pretty sad to see it look like this and come to an end like this before they, like, sort of yep. trudge off to Vegas. Yeah. It's pretty lame. It is. But you did exactly what you needed to do against that opponent. You didn't really let up. And you're pitching in, in the greatest strength of this team showcased over these four games in remarkable ways. Logan gives up a dinger in the first and then is absolutely Walter for the next seven innings. As good as and as sharp as I think I've ever seen him, Salk. I mean, yeah. that. I mean, he was just peppering those 97, 98 mile an hour fastballs at the top of the zone, at the bottom of the zone. His splitter was nasty. His, I mean, holy smokes. I mean, this is what you want, right? I mean, you were, you were on the practice field yesterday with the other team in town who has built an entire culture on competition. 
right? They all look over each other's shoulder. There's constant edge. Maybe the era where it slowed down a little bit with all of the guaranteed money and all of the biggest contracts and all the stuff that comes with that. But now there's been a reset and there is a massive competition. And it's the same thing in that rotation. I mean, Logan does not want to be outdone by Bryce, who doesn't want to be outdone by George Kirby, right? And Luis Castillo is the uh, is the old man of that group. So, yeah, it's pretty it is pretty stinking awesome to yeah. watch and appreciate a sweep. And now see if you can sort of take that and and launch it into some better competition, right? Yep. Can you take the gifts given to you by the A's, the defensive miscues, the lousy pitching, the walking in? I was, you know, it's so funny. I was watching that game last night, and I I didn't have my computer with me, so I, I didn't I wasn't thinking about Twitter, which has been nice, by the way. I've uh-huh. just spent less time thinking about Twitter, which has been awesome. But one thought that was in my mind was. I wonder how the Mariners win this game. I knew they were going to win it. I was curious to see this is once it was two to two or maybe even late as it was two to one. I was like, well, is it going to be their first walk off of the year? Will we get a chance to see that? Or will we just see the A's do something stupid? Will they win on an error? Will they win on a pass ball? Like the types of things we've seen from the A's over the last few years and a four pitch walk or five pitch walk, whatever it was to Eugenio Suarez. Basically, that's what it was. As on brand. Right. I mean, just right on brand. Walk the bases loaded on purpose. First ever intentional walk for Jerry Kelnick. And uh, immediately then just walk in the winning run. I mean, just come on. At least Logan got the win that way, though. Yeah, no, it was good for I him. Was it's like the walk off that would have meant but, we didn't get one. But from also, him. like, God, that's a bad ace team. I will find ways I, to lose. I will say though, you talk about doing something stupid. I don't know if I've seen something as smart as that shortstop Nick Allen did. Oh yeah, that was big, that's move. big brain. I yeah. loved that. Saved him the run at first. It did. Yeah, I mean, that I mean was, if the guy that doesn't end up walking in the run, he saves them the run. That's right, because yeah. that would have been Caballero at first, and he's going to score on that double by Julio. Yeah, Ty and, not so much. Uh, Ty, Ty was upset. You could see as he yeah. was. He, he got he got the red stop sign. Yeah, hey, his our, face was a little red. Well, he would have been out by twenty feet. Yeah, and yes. our guy's bang. He's banged up a little bit. Okay, he's banged up in his in his hand <laughs> potentially. Although he? certainly is looked he? just fine yesterday. Oh, oh, is he? Did you see Ryan Rowan Smith? I after saw the that. Game? Yeah, he had to apologize. That was funny. Oh, interesting. Does somebody else want to apologize? Me? I, I, I'm sorry. What? What did you say? What do you want me to apologize for? <laughs> well, I thought you were right there. I mean, where do you think you Ryan Rollins? Where do you think for? Ryan Roland Smith gets his stuff? He listens to <laughs> you religiously. <laughs> I mean, you kind of kept yeah. acting, bringing up your vindication yesterday, like like you were in that moment again. Like, oh, here we go again. I mean, I'm, Ryan, I was Ryan it up looks when to everybody you. was saying, "Remember when he was hurt last <laughs> yes. year?" Like, yes, I remember. That's right. Clearly, that's, right. that's not the case this year. So you and Ryan wanted him on the ten day IL. Just give him a well, break. I mean, I, I think. Rest. Given what we knew of the of the moment, we're just saying Ryan is on his way to the them. Ryan is on his way to the gym right now. He oh listens gosh, to you. He parrots please. you. He writes your stuff down. And <laughs> okay, write yeah. this, this down, Ryan. Yeah, write this down, Ryan. Do not apologize for that yesterday. <laughs> burn that oh, already, video. Do oh, not apologize. You're absolutely did. nuts. Yeah, burn it. You're wrong. Don't 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 let them get to you well, like that. Just doesn't like wrist. If he would have known it was a palm, right? That's right. That's right. In the fatty palm, right? <laughs> I mean, it was just the fatty area. Yeah. I was palm. a palm. Yeah, yeah. he How said sweet an inch, would... inch the other way. It's his pinky. Inch the other way. It's his wrist. Well, I don't like either of those things. Palm. I don't like. Nope. You've heard my take. Yeah. I don't like fingers. I don't like thumbs. I don't like wrists. I've never said anything about a fleshy part of the palm. <laughs> was it possible that he just needed the fleshy, fatty part we, of the palm activated? Do we call that the frond? Like, is that the the palm frond? Is that what we're calling that? Area now, yeah, the frond of the palm, yeah. 
Well, good Palm on Ty France. Palm he looked awesome. pretty good. Uh, Brock, also yesterday, you know, before any of that, Moore and I were out at uh, at Seahawks yeah. camp, which was pretty yeah. fun yesterday. It's nice getting blamed for what things you say, which was fun. That was a big part of my, my oh, day when I got I'm over sure there. the Jamal. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Take his or the nice. Tariq Woolen. Or, hey, yeah. Salk, uh-huh. why don't you tell Brock? Tell him yourself. (laughs) What do you mean, me? Do you get blamed for things I say? Uh, Never. Never. (laughs) Never one time in 15 years together do you get blamed for anything I say. Maura, what did I get yesterday for like a straight hour? Blame for everything Brock says. What a world I live in. You you did have to defend him specifically, but... You also like you agreed with some of his take, right? Well, that's fair, but that's not the point. <laughs> was Jamal out there? Was no. there, did see Jamal? Oh, Jamal no. Jamal of oh, course Jamal not. Neither there. was uh, Morris guy D Eskridge. Oh, I heard all I about D and how great he was. And did we hear oh, further? Doing. Did we hear further detail on Tariq Woolen? No. Did, they, did you see well, the area where he stepped wrong on the practice field and tore his knee? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Coned off I was trying to keep Brady away from it. I didn't want Brady Henderson to go uh, down in a heap, so I was. Yeah. Uh, yeah we, oh, that's nice. Yeah, they had people guarding that area at all times. <laughs> traffic cones Good. out like when Salt there's a manhole. Like, Look at what big Derek Hall is. That's all is. I can think about. Look at him. <laughs> we'll do some like more formal takeaways at 7.30. Brock, I'm telling you, when you get eyes on this team, if you can put your eyes anywhere other than on Derek Hall, God love you. He is a creature, a freak, <laughs> like whatever you want to put on it, man. He's huge. He's a specimen. He's a specimen. Yeah. yeah. I, that's, uh, that's the, every time I would like try to watch other stuff on the f- practice field, my eyes would just immediately come back to Derek Hall. Yeah. I really, yeah. he's Carl Banks is kind of who he looks like to me. Yeah. You remember Carl Banks? Oh yeah. Big old oh, outside yeah. linebacker opposite LT. Even right? when Bobby, I mean, Bobby usually has that presence. Bobby's 255. Bobby's got the, right? Bobby's not tall though. True. This guy's the- six three six four. Okay. I mean, he's a really big dude. He's like six three, six four, two sixty. And he, you couldn't big. take your eyes off. No, no, that's uh, that's my shoulders, guy, man. man. He looks like he's wearing shoulder pads when he's not. And then at some point, he was like in the flat doing like seven on seven linebacker stuff, right? And yeah. and so he's like really moving, and you could just see the muscle. He is a really, really big dude, and I'm more fascinated by him than anyone else on this team. We'll have a more uh, formal takeaways on a formal Friday. We'll do that at seven thirty this morning. We'll be right back with everything you need to know. Brock and Salk, Sale Sports on seven ten. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, it appears Ty France is okay. Here comes the 1-1. Ty France swung on high drive, deep left field. That baby is destined to get out of the ballpark. And he hit it almost to the same spot. Ty France with a home run is second of the night. Fifth of the year. Ty France doing Ty France things, and we got a 2-2 ball game here at T-Mobile Park. Well, yeah, he almost doubled his home run total just last night alone. Pretty impressive. Second of the night, so I was certainly good to see him showing no ill effects of being hit on the fleshy part of his palm. Uh, Two home runs, and then they get a bases-loaded walk in the eighth inning. That's how they put away the A's. Complete their first four-game sweep at home against Oakland since 1991. Scott Service knows exactly what built this sweep. Four-game sweep, hard to do. Driven by our starting pitching again. Uh, awesome job by Logan. Logan is this, he's rolling right now. He's got all four pitches working. He's got a ton of confidence, but it's been starting pitching. Uh, gives us a chance every night, and uh, it's fun to watch. Young guys continue to get better and, and gain more confidence, and uh, they keep adding things to their repertoire, all of them. George, Logan, 
you know, we, we've seen what Bryce has done so far, and um, it's a fun, fun to watch those guys every night. I bet it is for the former catcher. <clears throat> I bet he, I bet he wonders what it would be like to put those fingers down and do basically anything he calls. Those guys are lights out. First time the Mariners sulky above two games over five hundred this season. You said earlier, can you actually use this four-game sweep of Oakland and, and kind of maximize it? They hadn't previously yeah. springboard it. it. You know, the Rockies, they swept the Rockies on a beautiful weekend. Didn't really springboard. They swept Oakland down in Oakland. Didn't really swing, uh, springboard. This feels a little bit differently, though. This is Julio getting going. Mm-hmm. A multi-hit game, multi-hit game, multi-hit game. This is seeing some of those home runs fly. And we know the record when they hit home runs. So you get Julio just back on track. You get a few balls leaving that ballpark. And with this pitching you have a chance to win a whole bunch of series. Yeah, they uh, do have Pittsburgh coming in town tonight. I'm going to be there to watch George Kirby pitch. Kind of excited for fireworks night tonight. And the he, guy he's going against really good, too, right? Yeah, he's good young pitcher. I forget his name. I don't have it written down, so yeah. my bad. But he is supposed to be a pretty good young pitcher. And then, uh, yeah, three against them, three against New York. An opportunity, hopefully, to kind of show that you can go beat some better teams and it's not just the A's and, you know, Rockies that you're capable of destroying in a short series. Here's the second thing you need right, to know. Seahawks practice yesterday as they wrap up this round of OTAs. Brock, you know who stood out? Geno Smith. Geno Smith stood out. He looked in command. He looked in control. This is very clearly his team. Shane Waldron, pretty uh, happy with his quarterback. I think Geno has, has maintained that professional approach and that that desire to, to to continuously improve his game. And I think you know football is a great game because it, no one's ever really at the. At the, at the pinnacle as far as, uh, you know, everything they're doing, that they're doing is perfect. And so I think every day Gino's grinding away in the individual drills, really taking on that leadership role, you know, because it is a little bit different, you know, when you're coming into it, still competing for it versus, you know, now where he's at in the season that he's had. Uh, so he's been able to, to really enhance that leadership role, take command of the huddle, take command of the guys, you know, from the start in OTAs, a little different than the setup was this past year. Yeah, you could really see that. He was much more in command. He looked like QB1. Yeah. You know, in Denver, Sean Payton has asked his QB and the whole rest of the team to be anonymous donors. I don't think that's the case with Geno. And I don't think that's the case this offseason in the right way. He has been pushing it, man. He's been working out. He's been posting his videos with his QB trainer and everything that he's been doing. He's been there. Uh, I, I know DK was not there yesterday, but largely those guys have all been there. They've been working together. And not a surprise to me to hear you say that, that after that year under his belt, after all that he accomplished on the field, after the contract that he was rewarded with, the respect that he felt, yeah, he knows this is his team, and they will go. I mean, truly, they will go as far as he can take them. If he can elevate his game to yet another level, boy, you're going to close that gap that much more with the 49 Well, he certainly was uh, starting that yesterday. Yes, Derek Hall stood out to me. You know who else had a really nice day? Uh, Trey Brown looked really good yesterday. Mm-hmm. So did Tariq Young. They threw him the ball quite often with no DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett not really participating in the seven-on-seven portion. So uh, pretty cool to see just some of those young guys and maybe names that you're not always thinking about top of mind finding a way to show up and stand out. Here's the third thing you need to know. I know we live in a culture where everybody tears you up and then you get or, you know, built up and then torn back down. Is Michael Block trying to set the record for how quickly that can happen? <laughs> so this kid, this poor guy, he, he's the uh, PGA pro from uh, from uh, Southern California, California. Who, who made the cut and finished tied for 15th at the Master or at the uh, at the PGA Championship. It was so exciting that the Charles Schwab Challenge said, yeah, all right, we want you. We're going to give you the final sponsor's exemption. So everybody was super excited about him. And then 
He went on a podcast and made everybody mad. You just assume that Rory's a better golf than you are? He's a lot longer than I am. That's what it is. Okay, so that the, the length is the big thing. Oh, my God. What I would shoot from where Rory hits it would be stupid. What, I, I, what I, I, think I think I'd be one of the best players in the world. How Really? Hands down. <laughs> oh, if I had if I had that stupid length I, all, the, all day. My, my, my iron game, wedge game, around the greens and my putting is... Is, is world class. Oh, man. People were so mad yeah, at him. So... And then Brock, to top it off. He was a grape lady yesterday. 100, was... 120 golfers in the uh, tournament yesterday. Ooh, he finished ooh, 120th. Ooh. Oh, ow, ow, ow. Yesterday, ooh, ooh, plus ooh, 11. Ooh, ooh, ooh. He's 19 Over. shots off the pace. Now, it's maybe a... if he had just been longer, it would have been fine. Did you see the video of his son? No. Speaking of length and hitting the ball longer, there's then video of his son, who I guess is an amazing player, and he was doing these speed drills, 195 mile an hour club head speed, wow. hitting, you know, uh, and then he would calm it down and hit it calmly 330 yards. Oh yeah, just you can you can Google that or tweet wow. that or Twitter that. Go check that out. Uh, also, the UW women in the Super Regional facing Louisiana. Mm-hmm. I knew them as Louisiana Lafayette. Now they're just Louisiana. They finally got that uh, branded and name change. Remember, a pretty historic comeback in the regional. A seven-run comeback over McNeese. So another Louisiana team will come to town, and we'll see if they can get back to the College Women's World Series. All right, there you go. That's everything you need to know. What did I also see? Did the Celtics win again yesterday after everybody said they were done and quit and all that? All of a sudden, they put a little pressure on the Miami Heat. Oh, in 155. Wow. It's never happened in the NBA? Oh, in 155. Because I know it's happened in the NHL a couple times. We certainly know what has happened in Yankees-Red Sox. But it's yep. never happened in the NBA. Oh, in one fifty-five, three times only has it gone to a game. How seven. much pressure is on the Heat now? I mean, like game six is the tough one, right? Yep. I mean, that's this is, well, this is back in Miami. Right. Like, you better get it tomorrow night, or else you got to go back to Boston for a game seven in the in the in the new Garden. Uh-huh. I can't believe we're still calling it that, uh-huh. but yes, wow. Pretty crazy. All right. Yeah. Interesting. I won't watch, but that sounds really uh, interesting for people that are going to. Uh, Jerry DePoto used words yesterday that none of us have ever heard. Stick around and you'll hear them next. Brock and Salk. Seattle Sports on 710. SeattleSports.com. The Jerry DePoto Show. Presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports. Hi, Jerry. Good morning. Good morning, guys. What's happening? Happy birthday. I'm told yesterday was your birthday. It was, in fact, a, a, a wonderful day all the way around. Mariners win, little win streak here, three in a row. You got an opportunity for a nice four-game sweep today. You must be in a pretty good place. Yeah, I, I think, you know, even overall, it's it's sometimes, and I know you hear me preach this week after week, it's such a long season. But, you know, you look up, and in the month of May, I, I think only the Yankees and the Rangers in the American League have a better record. So it's we're... Unfortunately, I think the expectation is perfection, but sometimes progress works, too. Mm. Yeah, well, it's been pretty much perfection with that uh, slinger <laughs> last say, night. I are mean, you he's... sure we can't go with perfection? <laughs> Bryce Miller seems to be just fine with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I saw some of the uh, the the information that was hitting the, the social media channels last night as his outing was was finishing up, and I particularly saw the information that Sarah Lang sent out about uh, you know six inning outings of, of five base runners or less, and I just thought it was fascinating and and so fun for Bryce and 
for for that to happen, you know, or for him to achieve that in his first five major league starts is is pretty remarkable. And you know, we're we're fortunate to have so many good arms, and not just on our big league club, but throughout our organization. And and it really has carried us through these first couple of months. Jerry, of all those stats, the one that jumped out to me was the point five whip. And I mean, you had a you had a good career. You pitched for eight years in the big leagues. Your career? Do you know your career whip? No, but it's going to be multiple times, Bryce Miller. Well, yours <laughs> yours was one point five one. His is point five one. You allowed it one more batter per inning than he has so far. That's a point five whip of all the things I saw that, and I just like I almost fell over. That's he's not putting anybody on base ever. No, I, th- I, I think it's safe to say that that if you if you searched WHIP uh, and started at .5, it would you won't find anybody lower than that. <laughs> yeah. It's just a it's an insane number, and you know, again, for him to be doing that at this stage of his career, is, it's not just encouraging. It's he's already pitching like a top of the rotation starter, and and when you add that to you know, Luis Castillo and George Kirby and Logan Gilbert. It's, it's just such a, a fun time to watch our, really watch our team sling it because every night you see something special. Yeah, I felt like last night I should have been taken off of a text stream. Uh, we, I was in a text conversation <laughs> with uh, with a couple baseball people, and they start talking torso tilt and spine angle and arm angle as they were trying to find a comp yeah. for Bryce Miller. And maybe it was passing and sulk. Maybe it wasn't. I don't want to air their business out there. But if you were to find if you were to find a comp for Bryce Miller delivery stuff, is there somebody that comes to your mind over the last few decades in baseball? You know, I, there really isn't anybody who comes to mind. And I think this style of pitching, you know, the, the and Bryce is about as as modern a pitcher you can be with the high spin rates and the 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 riding fastball. It's just not a, a common skill set when you go into the wayback machine. It's it's more of a modern, I guess, menu of pitches and, and execution. You know, the body type you could find many guys. You know, right now, if I had to pick a guy, body type, the command he's shown, the consistency in the strike zone, the velocity with the life to the fastball, be it you know more riding than not. I'd say Brett Saberhagen. Uh, you know when. When Saves first came up with the the Royals, the the precision that he had in the strike zone with that kind of live stuff and you know the wiry athletic body, you know there's he's got some of that in him. But uh, I don't know that anybody I could compare anybody to what he's done through these these five outings. And and it, it brings me back to something that I always remember: Bill James, you know the the big baseball historian, sabermetrician has always said that the, a player's uniqueness is really what drives his value. And, and Bryce is unique. I see a little Roy Oswalt. I love the Sabes conver- uh, comparison. I see a little Roy Oswalt in the way he throws the fastball, sort of that the, the, the downhill long stride and all of that. Yeah, I could see it. And again, I think you took pieces of of a lot of players in that in that genre. You know, the athletic righty with the really fast arm who's, you know, right now that part of the equation is just filling up the strike zone. And that's something that Roy always did. It's something that Saberhagen always did. I, I I'll take I'll take the outcomes for any of those guys. Yeah, that okay. certainly appears to be what he's given us. So so can you take me back to when Double A? You're, you're you're watching him in Double A a couple of weeks ago. The numbers aren't good, 
from a, you know, right, he's got like a five ERA or whatever it is. These sort of outward facing numbers aren't good. What were you guys seeing in double A that might have led to what we're now seeing here in the big leagues? So you're familiar with our, our shove scores and all of, you know, at least in theory, what goes into those shove store scores. We are always looking at, you know, the metrics, we call them our pitch grades. And, you know, at the time that we were contemplating adding Bryce to the big league staff, you know, we're weighing a body of work, you know, his time in the minor leagues, particularly the 2022 season was awesome. You know, one of the highest strikeout pitchers in, in professional baseball, but certainly in the minor leagues, I think top 10, um, the physical stuff is excellent and has been for quite some time. Now the command has continued to come. And then in those brief few starts in Arkansas, after what we thought was a really good spring training, you know, the pitch grades were just off the charts good. You know, we if we qualify green as, as good, red as bad, he was bright green. And the action he was creating, the locations he was throwing to, and effectively dominating the things that he could control. And, and you know, that's what we're looking for when we're, when we're assessing is what, how is he managing himself on the mound? Is he executing the things that he can, can control? And, and he was no doubt doing those things. And, and, you know, the results are the results. So we look at the expected results versus the actual results. And his expected was incredibly good. And, and the actual result was just meh. And, and we make our, we tend to make our decisions more on what the underlying information is suggesting. And that's that Bryce was actually dealing. His ERA said something differently. <laughs> Do we uh, have an internal kind of innings count for him? I know with Kirby and Logan last year, and even heading into this year, there was a lot of conversation of still trying to protect their total number of innings. Is he going to be a guy we'll have to watch? No, a start to start. He's, you know, Bryce had a full buildup to get here. And, you know, he was unlike George and Logan before him. He was not a player that was, that was, you know, really affected in the same way by the 2020 season. You know, he followed 2020 with a, with a full, a college schedule and, and then a minor league progression in 21, a full season in 22. And, and we feel like he's, he's athletic, he's strong, he maintains his velocity and there's really no reason to, to put a cap on it. We'll just manage it start to start. Uh, we got a, a, almost a full week here of Jose Caballero playing in almost every one of those games. I know he had one night off, hit a bunch of home runs, stole a bunch of bases. What did you make of a week of Jose Caballero? Uh, just such a smart baseball player. And it's, a, it's again, you know, beyond his years and experience, it, it, at least it seems, you know, he plays like someone who's played thousands of games at this level. And, you know, his on-field awareness, his instincts on the bases in the batter's box for game situations is, is just off the charts good. And he's brought a lot of energy to our team. It's been, you know, it's been fun to watch. He's made all the plays at second base. It's the, the, the quality of the at-bat has just been excellent, really since he's been called up. But, you know, now he's adding a little bit of power to the mix, which in spring training I joked with him. You know, he, he just hit a towering home run to left field in Peoria one day. And I said, I, I didn't realize you had that in your bag. He said, oh, yeah, watch. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, if you watch, if you watch Cavi's VP, it's real. You know, he, he pummels balls. He hits balls out in the pen off the back of the bullpen wall and, and batting practice. And, and now, 
as he gets comfortable in the box in the big leagues, he's, you know, he's showing that that can be part of his game too. And, and I don't think he's going to be a 30 homer hitter, but if that's part of his game with the strike zone judgment he has and, and contact ability and all fields approach, he just, he is such a pest in the batter's box. And, and that really makes your lineup long. Kind of like that. Oh yeah. Watch. <laughs> I mean, I think every time you look at him, that's kind of what he brings to the table, no matter what he is doing. How many Jose Caballeros are there out there? I mean, how, how many guys like yeah. the, you know, I mean, what he has done this season just kind of leaves you wondering, man, where did that come from? The, I mean, baseball is littered with, you know, young players, prospects who are overlooked or not given enough respect for, for what they do. You know, we, we've been on this, this session for 10 minutes and we talked about two of them, you know, I, only very recently has the world kind of been alerted to how good we think Bryce Miller is. And, and similarly with Tabby, it's, you know, we acquired him as an A ball player back in 2019. He didn't have a lot of, of professional track record, but, you know, something interesting, I was talking with a, a couple people down on the field yesterday who aren't associated with the Mariners, but do have uh, p- professional baseball connections and been around the, the, the major league game for a while. And, you know, one asked me, tell me about Jose Caballero. And, and uh, you know, the, his, his partner said to him, ah, he's been a good player since college. Nobody noticed. And, and I, I, Tell me about him. Yeah, this is this is interesting. You know, he he dominated at Chipola Junior College. He's been an excellent player through the minor leagues, and and even statistically, what you're seeing now in his performance is pretty much on par with all of the rates, the hard hit rates. If everything lines up with what he's done throughout his minor league career, so I. I think we're just seeing how good Jose Caballero is. So taking that into account and then taking into account that, that Dylan Moore seems to be heading towards uh, a, a chance to get back to the big league club. I think Justin said, what, maybe at some point on this homestand. I know that you wouldn't be able to tell us what move would be made at that point and who the heck knows what health is going to be, et cetera. But how will you go about making that decision in terms of you know who who stays with the club to make room for Dylan Moore? Oh, we'll do the right thing for the club and the big picture. But the, and a lot of that just comes down to the functionality of the players and how they all fit together. But you know, I, I think it goes without saying that what we've seen here over this last month, especially, but, you know, from the moment he's been called up to the big league, Cabby's kind of earned his spot. And it's, uh, it's his time, uh, and he's taken the best advantage of this opportunity that you can possibly take. And we'll let the roster play itself out over the next week or 10 days and determine what the right thing to do is. But yeah, it's a, in the meantime, we'll just keep writing Cabby's name into the lineup. You know, it's, it's interesting, Jerry, if Bryce and Cabby and Julio and Kirby and Kelnick are all the faces of your DDT, your draft, develop and trade, just the essence of your organization, you know, what the Rangers are doing, you mentioned the Rangers both now in, in April and in May continue to do what they're doing is it fair to characterize them on the other side that they have been a little more of the free agent and spend big and go the free agent route to put their club together? Yeah, I think that's that's accurate. And they've they went hard in over these last couple of years in free agency. And you know, I think you know the, the Seegers and the Simeons and the Degroms and they're John Gray and Eovaldi, the guys that are driving their train. Um, you know, and they've acquired a few really key players and. In, in, 
trades that nobody would have identified at the time as impact trades, but guys like Nathaniel Lau and Bird Lowe and, and uh, uh, Adolis Garcia and Jonah Heim who've been awesome for them. It's, uh, there's a lot of different ways to build it. You know, we, we like our model for who we are, for, for our organization, the way we do it, our market, our people, uh, and they do it their way. And, you know, at the intersection of their way and our way, I, I hope we pass them by. Uh, let's see. I want a bunch more players. I kind of want to go through. Can we do some of these injury updates? Dylan Moore, Andres Munoz, et cetera. Where are we at? Even just a couple of days since Justin gave his update at the beginning of the homestand. Uh, probably not too different than, than where we were when Justin spoke to to the media on Monday. I think uh, Demo. He's playing in Tacoma. Played last night. His this recent rehab assignment is only two days old. You know, and I would caution you know dylan didn't have a spring training and we're now in the third week of may so you know we can we can forecast when he wants to come back or when we'd like him to be back but i think we have to be patient enough to just allow it to develop and you know we have 20 days i don't suspect that we'll take all 20 of those days but we should be patient enough to to allow the, the ship to get out in the water before we make too quick a decision and uh you know mooney's throwing comfortably he's been in a great position as i mentioned last week since he received that PRP injection, and he's tracking very well. I, I, he had a spring training and, and a start up into the season. I don't think it will take quite as long. Our hope is that, that Mooney is, is able to join the club uh, maybe closer to this next road trip, sometime on the next road trip. But, again, the, the, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel for both he and Penn Murphy, which I think is, is also an exciting development for us and what that brings to the depth of our pitching staff. You mentioned the red light, green light. I kind of like that. That's easy to, to follow as far as just, uh, you know, the, the pitch efficiency and effectiveness. Man, it looked like last night Matt Brash's stuff was as green as I have seen it. I mean, it was 99. It was movement. It was filthy. And then there's a bleeder here and a hard hit ball kind of there. And, and uh, where do you feel like Matt's at right now with his command and his stuff? Uh, his stuff is as good as it gets, and uh, it's it, it'd be hard to imagine, you know, the, the fastball slider curveball combination of Matt Brash, anybody in baseball having any better stuff. And you know, he's he's pitched in incredibly poor luck <laughs> all season long, and and that's really part of it. So when when you look at Matt similarly, you're going to open up, and his his underlying is bright green. You know, last year or last night, he gave up a couple of bleeders. I think. Some of, you know, what you saw last night with Matt was awesome locations on awesome stuff. And then he made a couple of, you know, middle of the plate, two strike pitches. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so while no one hit the ball hard per se, it, last night I think was more a reflection of two pitches that hit the middle of the plate. And this is the big leagues. But, um, you know, I think when Matt is doing what Matt does, which is almost every other day, it's, it's almost impossible to imagine how he could give up multiple hits in an inning. He's, striking out about 18 per nine. He's, he's reeled in his walk rate. His command has improved significantly year over year. And you know, he's, he's got this stuff and from in stretches is the most dominant reliever in the league. Now we just have to develop the, the consistency. And frankly, 
get a better roll of the dice sometimes to make them feel better about the result because you know, the process has been mostly excellent. It's got to be so hard to convince major leaguers, especially young ones, that the process can be just as important as the result. And I, and I think about kind of where Julio's been at this year. I think about Kelnick and what he's done uh, to kind of get over that hump and, and just how casually he seems to be swinging at times and how much better contact he's been making. Uh, we got a chance to see both those guys have three hits in a game together for the first time. Did that get your mind kind of thinking about the future of, of how it was always supposed to be with these two young stars? Yeah, I guess my mind never stops thinking about that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've, I, I've seen it in, in virtually every thought that, that I've had around the Mariners since you know December of 2000. Uh, I guess it would have been 2018. It, we are we are really so much further along than than most would recognize in in how strong a foundation we have a chance to build and and. Back in 18, when we started this process at the end of that season, you know, this is what it was about, was getting to this outcome. You good young players who drive a championship quality major league club. And, and while we may not have played like that for the month of April, I do think we're trending. And, you know, our young players are, once again, they are keys and, and they're driving it. Julio has played very well this homestand. Jared's been our best player all season long and our pitching staff continues to dominate. And it's all guys that are in their, their young mid twenties that, that we've been talking about for years and to see them deliver uh, is, is exciting. And, and as you know, dating back to that time, when we, when we talked about this version or iteration of the Mariners, we always talked about JK, about Julio, about Logan and George, about that, like what you're seeing now. And, and uh, you know, Along the way, there were some bumps in the roads. There were some changes. There were some new acquisitions, and and I think for the most part, what this week or or the start of the this this homestand has has really illustrated is just how close we are to a breakthrough. And you know, and I say that coming off of a 90-win playoff season and and you know trending in the month of May we've still not broken through to be the team that we can be. But I think we're starting to see glimpses of what that looks like. Jerry, and I think some would argue that, man, if a few of these free agent acquisitions, right, a few of these offseason moves can just do what they've done in the past, right, uh, combined with some of these young guns, you may take that next step and that next step above and be in a World Series contender. Are the underlying factors there with Teo? Salk's really bothered by me because I've kept up to date on his 10 to 1, you know, strikeout to walk right now, which is not going to obviously sustain. It will change. Are there underlying factors you're seeing from Tay Oscar that are pointing in the right direction? Yeah, just how hard he hit the ball, you know, and, and for, you know, for the, the critics or the pundits who would point to the, to the offseason acquisitions or the free agents, you know, scant as they may have been, <laughs> the, you know, we've, We've we've added players to the roster who've just not produced the way that they've generally produced in their careers, and you know, and part of our struggle has been that, but not all of our struggle. And you know, as we as we continue to work through the season, and you know, especially as we watch a guy like Teo, the thing with Teo is he still hits the ball hard, and I think he said it in his post game last night uh, down in the clubhouse. It's all about swinging at the right pitches. And, you know, when he swings so easy, hits the ball effortlessly so far, we just have to get him in his good place. And, and he has a history of once he gets hot, it's torrid hot. And, and he stays there for a while. And, you know, we, we've seen signs. We've seen seven and ten game stretches from him. 
And, you know, when he starts contributing like he contributes, and if it runs in conjunction with, you know, the versions we're seeing right now of Cal and, and the, the, the uptick with Julio and where JK has been throughout, and it's, it's, it's a pretty exciting thing to, to think about what our lineup could be. And, and Teo is a big part of it. Well, and shame on all of us, because every time we have these conversations, I put myself specifically in this category. I just keep forgetting to mention JP, and that's not fair. I mean, he's really had a really nice start to this season. He moved up to the leadoff spot and it has not changed him at all. He's really just sort of continued to do what he was doing. The defense is back to where it was. Jerry, how important is JP to what you do every day? You've heard me ring this bell for every offseason interview, every really since JP's arrival with the Mariners. There are things that he does on a baseball field. There is a consistency that he brings to the table. And, and some years it might result in a two-win player in, in war value, and some years it might be three and a half. You know, but he feels the grounders. He throws them to first base. He, he's the guy you want them to hit the ball to when the game is on the line. He gives you a quality at bat virtually every time he steps in the box. He has a knack for coming up with the big hit, despite the fact that you know, offense is maybe not his biggest calling card. And when you look up at the end of the year, he's above average on Bates. He's an above average to feel to hit guy. He is one of the, the harder guys in the league to strike out. And and again, you can't really, I, I know clutchiness is, is not really a statistic of note. He tends to be very clutch for us. And, and when you add all those things up, it's, it's not as easy as saying, boy, we should go sign X free agent and just boot him because that is critical to good team. And, and part of the vibe of our team, like the, the flow of our team flows through JP. And, and those are, those are things that you just can't get beyond the, 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 the value that he brings to us is, is beyond what you see in a stat sheet. It's, it's all, you can hit him ninth. You can hit him first. You can hit him third. And he, he just does the job. And, and, uh, you know, it's JP doesn't stand out as the superstar that some of the guys that were floating around the market, JP is a really good player in our league who makes a really good team go. I feel, I feel bad for you this week, Jerry. I, I really did. I, I started feeling bad for you. You spent all this time, all this energy on your pizza oven and all, all right. of the, all of the pizzas that go in. Yep. And then, you know, when they have room to add another pizza spot at T-Mobile up in the 300 level, did they call Jerry to say, Hey, why don't you bring your pizza oven in and show us what you got? No, they go with this moto pizza out of Detroit, you know, the Detroit style. Yep. How did you take that? Was it, was there, are you offended? Do you go to Trevor Gooby and sort of, you know, get after him a little bit? Like what, 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 what happens? behind the scenes yeah i was a little bit disappointed that i wasn't able to put you know that part of my skill set to greater use but i i will say that that having gotten a sneak peek or sneak bite as it were at the moto pizza and also having explored it you know in my culinary uh, <laughs> i guess trip around the seattle area in january we we, we did the moto pizza wow. thing, and you know it, it was uh it is I, and last night, the, the birthday dinner was a special delivery moto pizza wow. to, to the box to watch the game. And it's uh, it's delicious. If you get the chance to go up there, there's there's something about the crust. And <laughs> you know, there's a, whatever dough they've got rolling, I, yeah. I would love to tell you that I can re- replicate that in the backyard. No. And, and maybe I'll just have to heist their starter to do it. Mm-hmm. But I'll try. 
Well, I, I, I've ordered mine. I ordered mine a month and a half ago. It'll be here in July, so I, I'm looking forward to trying it in two months when I finally get the chance. Jerry, nice to see the team rolling a little bit. We'll talk to you next week. All right, guys. We'll see you. All right, there you go. And happy Scantha Beantha Day to uh, to everybody out there. It was uh, quite the experience and quite the uh, quite the whirlwind with Jerry yesterday. All right, coming up next, there were uh, you know some interesting, great things to like about the Mariners' week with the pitching, etc. But nothing more important than what we saw once again last night. We'll dig into that together next. Brock and Salt, Seattle Sports on seven ten, SeattleSports.com.